Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown, joined by my tag team partner, Dan Sadik. Dan, how we doing? Hey, doing pretty good. Pretty good. No complaints here. Love to hear that. <laughs> we are here to talk some Major League Baseball. The World Series is upon us. But before we preview and break down the upcoming Astros versus Braves World Series, uh, we do we would be remiss if we did not talk about the season that was for our Boston Red Sox. Uh, they finished 92 and 70 in the regular season, which was good enough for the top wild card spot. They finished in a tie with the New York Yankees. And thanks to winning the season series 10 games to nine, they were able to win the tiebreaker and host the wild card game. Uh, it w- came down to the wire at the end of the season. They had to stave off both the Toronto Blue Jays and Seattle Mariners, who both could have forced tiebreaker games, games 163, maybe even game 164, just to get into the wild card game, uh, which would have been absolutely nuts. Luckily, that did not happen. And the Red Sox hosted the Yankees in the wild card game. They took down Garrett Cole. They took out Kermit and got him out in less than three innings and went on to win that game by a score of six to two. Advancing to the ALDS, they played the Tampa Bay Rays. After dropping the series opener, the offense went on a tear, scored 26 runs in three games en route to upsetting the Rays, the top seed in the AL, and moving on to the ALCS where they met the Astros. Uh, and after a tough series opening loss yet again, the offense came back around 21 runs in two games to, to win a pair and go up two games to one. But that is where it all went array and the, the offense disappeared. The pitching kind of ha- wasn't able to sustain itself and, the Astros ended up winning three straight to win that series four games to two. Uh, so Dan, looking at the postseason run, looking at the regular season, uh, what are your thoughts on the season that was for the Boston Red Sox in 2021? Yeah, I mean, going into it, right, I think we all had like tempered expectations. You have Alex Cora coming back. You have a full season. Now um, you're out of the whole COVID, you know, structure uh, with the shortened season from the previous season. So, like, you made some additions, and I felt like they were going to have a sniff at it. The, the, at the very least, I wanted um, a baseball season in September. I wanted them to have a real shot at making a playoff run, and that's what they ultimately delivered on. Um, and there was, like, you know, some question marks down the road. Like, did they do enough of the trade deadline? It turns out for postseason um, circumstances, they did, you know, in terms of getting there. They made a nice run. Like, they didn't do too much. They didn't overspend in terms of, like, the trade market, given the prospects. They got a great bat in Kyle Schwarber that I hope they keep. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, like, 
the whole sale thing didn't turn out too great. Uh, he also had a missed time due to COVID. That, you have to think, probably affected his um, performance in the playoffs. He didn't get to ramp up quite the way that they had hoped um, due to his time off with COVID um, when he did come back. But, yeah, like they had such a like roller coaster of a year in terms of where I thought they would be. And, you know, at the end of the day, I did not expect them in the ALCS, especially with the wildcard play-in game that since it's been implemented, they have yet to uh, have to play in that game. And ultimately they do gives them a nice boost. They go on to beat the top seed in, in the AL. Like you said, the Rays like that did not see that coming at all. Um, and I just, I thought it was going that way with the Astros too. They were writing the same kind of book. They split, uh, on the road at Houston, they come back and you think they're going to win at least two at home. They didn't, they only won one and then they lost the next three. So, you know, overall you can't say it was like a failure because no one, thought they would be where they were. Yes, you can adjust your expectations, but I think with Cora first year back, Bloom getting his uh, footings in place, they're going in the right direction, and that's all you can really hope for. Yeah, I think a lot of people coming into 2021 had the Red Sox penciled in as only the fourth best team in the AL East, and for them to not only uh, exceed that, and be tied for second in their division, make the playoffs, overcome their bitter rival in the wild card game, and then upset another division rival in the Tampa Bay Rays, who you pointed out again, top seed in the AL, and be two games away from the World Series, up two games to one in that series. Uh, I mean, it was a tie game in, I think it was what, game three? Or was that game four I'm thinking of uh, when it was 2-2 going into the ninth? I mean, they were so yeah. close. They were so close uh, where, um, in, yeah, it was game four where they were, it was two to one Red Sox going into the eighth. I mean, they were six outs away from going up three to one with one more home game to go. And Obviously, things went the way they did. Astros tied it up in the eighth, and then they went on to pick apart Evaldi and the rest of the bullpen in the ninth. And then this game five happened the way it did, and much of the same in, in game six. Um, but I think it would be, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least give a tip of the cap to Kike Hernandez, who had just one of the craziest postseason runs. Uh, I feel like I've seen in quite some time. Uh, he finished over hitting over 500 or over 400 for the postseason, 20 hits, uh, five home runs. I mean, the guy just was on a tear. At one point, he had, I believe it was uh, 17 hits in a six game span in the postseason, which put him in a list of like only like four other people had ever done that in major league baseball history. And the other four were like all hall of famers. Uh, so it was just an insane run uh, by both the 
the Red Sox and Kike Hernandez in general. Um, as a whole on the season, they absolutely exceeded expectations. Uh, but when you get off to such a hot start like they did in the first half, you're in first place in the division going into the all-star break. Everything's firing on all cylinders. The second half has to be termed sort of disappointing in that they just cooled off and they could never really get it going. Yes, they did have their bouts with COVID uh, in August and going into September, and that made things difficult to really get clicking at full, full speed again. But uh, they were able to persevere, put it together just in time to survive and get a chance into the postseason, and they made the most of it. Um, so I think you, while it, the, it didn't end the way you would have liked it to, when you get to that point, you still have to take, when you take a step back and you look at the, the season as a whole, regular season and postseason, I think you have to say that you couldn't ask for much more from this team outside of a World Series. And um, so I think that there's a lot to look forward to for 2022 for this team. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made. Uh, but if they are able to bring back most of the, the, the lineup and maybe make some tinkers, uh, maybe tinker with the, the pitching rotation and bullpen a little bit, I think there's a lot to be excited for come next year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that too. I mean, it just sucks that they fizzled out the way they did, but you know, they had a great run and I feel like given the circumstances, like that's really, you know, I'm much happier. They got to where they did than if they like lost in the wild card game to the Yankees, you know what I'm saying? Like exactly. Kind of sets that bar. Like, okay, you got to the ALCS with this squad. So that should be where we're at next year going into it. Yeah. Assuming you bring back most of your key players, who knows if they are able to bring back Schwarber, who they picked up at the deadline, uh, who knows um, what the deal is going to be with Bogart's endeavors. I know Alex Cora was, was quoted as saying it's, it's not like official in terms of like their futures, if they're going to stick to their play in their current positions. Um, but I think that's, that's just, that's just them talking at this point and uh, just speculating that you, you can't just assume everything's going to be the same. Um, but yeah, I, I think a job well done by the Boston Red Sox this year, pleasantly surprised by how well they played from start uh, to finish. And yeah, it was definitely a roller coaster of a season, but one that it will remember for some time, even though it didn't end with a championship. Yeah. All right. Now let's, let's move on and let's talk about the world series. We've got the American league champion, Houston Astros taking on the national league champion, Atlanta Braves, a very interesting series uh, is on tap. And for several reasons, you got the Houston Astros who in their right won 90 something games. I think they finished with about 95 wins. Uh, Nothing, nothing to sneeze at, but when you've looked at recent history, a lot of the world series matchups have featured teams that had a hundred win seasons or more. And 
this is the first World Series without at least one 100 win team since 2015. Because I'm not going to include last year with COVID, because yeah. that's literally impossible. Um, but you've got Atlanta, only 88 wins coming into the postseason. That's the fewest. That was the fewest of the 10 playoff teams this year, and it's uh, it's one of the fewest uh, in terms of division winners in some time. Uh, but they've been on a tear the last couple months, especially coming into the postseason. Uh, so don't let the record fool you for the Atlanta Braves. They had to deal with plenty of injury and other issues uh, in terms of their roster. Uh, their best player, Ronald Acuna, tore his ACL uh, midway through the season, and they've been without him ever since. They lost another player due to uh, uh, how do I want to term this? Uh, misconduct, we'll put it. Uh, and they had injuries as well across the board for the outfield outside of Acuna. So they had to go at the deadline and trade for several players to bring in, to kind of fill those voids, uh, namely Jorge, Jorge Soler, uh, Jock Peterson, uh, just to name a couple. And they've been fantastic uh, for the Braves. So they had to retool their outfield and their roster in general. And they've been able to do that. Meanwhile, the Astros just keep, chugging along, doing their thing. It's their third World Series appearance in five years. And each of those seasons, they have been a threat to win it. And they have put either won it or pushed the series to seven games. The last time they were in the World Series was 2019 against the Nationals. That, game, that series went the distance with the Nationals pulling up the upset uh, in seven games. That one was an interesting one, if you'll remember, because the home team lost every single game. So the Astros will certainly be looking to actually win a game at home this time around in the World Series. But Dan, give me your initial thoughts uh, about the Astros and Braves in the 2021 edition of the World Series. So I think like the both championship series, I think this will go six. I won't give you my pick yet, but um, I just think that both these teams are kind of on their own little wave. Uh, the Braves, obviously, knocking off both uh, the Brewers and the 106-win Dodgers uh, and obviously the um, reigning World Series champions um, and to do it without their best player. I mean, so like, I look at that. And I look at the Astros who still have their core from their sort of dynasty-esque run um, that they've been on. Um, and I just think that the Astros have that pedigree. I said it on our last pod when we previewed the playoffs that, you know, they will always be a big threat for me um, because they showed you against the Red Sox. They're down two to one. Um, in the series on the road at Fedway for two more games and they go off and win three straight. It tells you what kind of team they are and it tells you how they can flip a switch and their offense just absolutely lighting it up. Their pitching staff, despite not having uh, McCullers, who I believe they're going to get back in this series. So that should be a big, big bonus for them as well. 
Well, let me cut you off here, Dan. Breaking moves for you. No Lance McCullers for the World Series. No McCullers? Oh, I thought, wow. Wow. Well, I mean, if, if they can do what they did in the ALCS, I don't think it's going to matter all, all that much. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's kind of yeah, my op- Yeah, he is still uh, going to be out. He is uh, out with an arm injury. I believe it was a hmm, bicep forearm tightness forearm uh he's got a forearm injury so he is still out uh for the series he is not going to be on their world series roster uh but yeah um what do you think when i when i think of my initial thoughts i mean yeah this is a houston team that's been there and done that before they're bringing back an infield that's like you said, the core between Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Yuli Gurriel. I mean, though they've been there for the entire time for the past five, six years. Uh, and they've, they've got all the postseason experience in the world. Uh, they, they've got a couple of batting titles between them, an MVP award and a runner up in MVP. So th- these guys have been there and done that. And I, they have to be tabbed as the favorites just because of that. And so I think the Astros are outside of wanting to sort of, I don't think they will will say it, but it's, this is almost like a redeem sort of run for them where ever they've been painted as the villain because of all the cheating and whatnot. And that's not going to go away, but if they can win another one after all the scandalous crap and that would at least for them, they would be able to put it behind them, put it to bed and say, Hey, guess what? We can still win one regardless of whether the fact that we cheated or not. So suck it. Um, (laughs) So I think that's where it's things stand for the Astros on the flip side. You've got the Atlanta Braves. They, they haven't been here in a while. They've made postseason trips. Uh, plenty with all the division titles they won over the past couple of decades, but they haven't been to the world series uh, since 1999. So this is their first world series in over two decades. A lot has changed since that team in the late nineties. There's no Greg Maddox, no Tom Glavin, no John Smoltz, although John Smoltz will be on uh, commentary duties. So I guess he'll still be lingering around. You, you won't have a bias at all. No, 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 absolutely not. Um, but uh, this, this is a team that's been really gritty. They are 40 and 21 since uh, they got a winning record for the first time since August 6th. So August 6th, they got a winning record. They finally got above 500. And since that point, they went 40 and 21. So they become just the fourth team to reach the world series, despite having a losing record at the all-star break. So, I mean, Rockies. Yeah. So uh, they, I don't think anyone expected them to be here uh, back in July, but they are here. And like you said, they took out the, the NL central champion brewers and they took out 
the preemptive World Series favorites, the defending champion, L.A. Dodgers. Yeah, the Dodgers had some injury issues of their own uh, along the way, and it seemed like they were just trying to just get to the World Series and just survive and advance each time. But ultimately, they could not overcome all of the injuries that they were dealing with. And the Braves took advantage. So credit to them. Uh, But I think for the Braves, this is sort of just a Cinderella run. And it started back in August. And now they have their four wins away from completing the story. So you've got one team that everyone outside of Houston utterly hates that is looking to cement their legacy and put a punctuation mark on a certified dynasty. And you've got another team that only a couple months ago, nobody had gave any shot to be here. And yet here they are four wins away from a championship. So, I mean, the narratives in this one, even though these two teams don't have much against each other is still, there's still a lot of fun narratives to go around in this one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's start let's dive in and sort of talk about all the different uh, who what's let's give our, our who we think has the edge in each of the different uh, facets of the game. So let's start with hitting. Uh, obviously, each team has a player or two that has been just unreal in terms and just on fire with the bat right now. For the Astros, that's the LCS MVP. Jordan Alvarez, who just absolutely torched the Boston Red Sox, who he hit, he's hitting 441 in the postseason with two, only two home runs, but he's got eight walks, only 11 strikeouts. So that's good. Uh, 27 total braces paces his team as well as the 15 hits. Uh, he's just been just outstanding in terms of just getting on base consistently and getting people in when he's been presented those opportunities. Um, So he's going to be a guy that the Braves have to find a way to cool down some way, shape, or form. And then for the Braves, it's Eddie Rosario. He set a franchise record. Uh, I believe he had 14 hits in the LCS. And that was good enough for uh, NLCS uh, MVP honors. And he's hitting a cool 474 himself in the postseason. Uh, three home runs, 30 total bases, and four walks as opposed to five strikeouts. So those are a pair of guys who are not are getting on base constantly and presenting issues for the opposing pitchers. So those are definitely the two guys to watch, see if they can keep it up. But uh, Dan, who would you say? has the hitting advantage going into this series? You know, I want to say the Braves. It's, it's tough, but I'm going to go Astros just because, I, again, they're more proven in the postseason, and I have to factor that in. And between Alvarez, Correa, uh, Gurriel, uh, even Kyle Tucker – who I'll get into a little bit more later. Um, they, I just think they have way more opportunity uh, opportunities at the plate. Um, and I just, they can obviously 
flipped the switch. We saw it against uh, the Red Sox. They got hot when they needed to. I think they can do it against the Braves as well. And I, you know, not that the Braves don't have good hitting. They got some obviously really good hitting, uh, veteran like uh, Freddie Freeman. You got Dansby Swanson, like you said, uh, Eddie Rosario, the NLCS MVP. So it's not like they don't have firepower. I just think the Astros have the edge there. Yeah, I, I would love to sort of oppose you, play devil's advocate, but I have to agree with you. Uh, it's got to be the Astros. I mean, Jose Altuve is only hitting 200, and that's arguably their best player. Everyone else outside of Martin Maldonado is hitting very well this postseason, hitting at least 275 or better uh, with OBPs above 300. So this lineup does not have many flaws or many weak spots in their lineup outside of Maldonado. If you, if you put in Jason Castro at the plate, I mean, he's, he's only had a, a handful of at-bats, but as we saw in that uh, ALCS, he only needs one at-bat to make things happen sometimes. I mean, he took he had a home run in his first pinch hit appearance in the series against the Red Sox. Uh, he's two for four so far in the postseason in limited opportunities. But, if I mean, they've got potentially a lineup that one through nine, there is no easy out whatsoever. And I just don't think you can quite say that with the Braves. So for that reason alone, you got to give the edge, even if it's only a slight one to the Astros for hitting. Yeah. So in terms of pitching now, pitching, this is, this is a tough one for me because Obviously, no Lance McCullers for the Astros is, again, is a big loss for them. That's There's no replacing the ace of your roster, a guy that is probably going to finish top five in the the Cy Young for the American League uh, in terms of Houston. Uh, And so for that reason and for the fact that the, the Houston starters have just been so inconsistent in this postseason, more so in the LCS against the Red Sox than in in the the DS round uh, versus the White Sox. But uh, they've just been hit or miss. And while I think the bullpen for the Astros uh, is slightly better than the Braves, uh, the Braves' back end of the bullpen has been performing just as well as the Astros. And when you factor in that the Braves actually have three reliable starting pitchers so far this postseason and the Astros have been struggling just to find one outside of McCullers. I have to give the edge pitching wise to the Atlanta Braves. If now, if you get, if the Astros get the Framber Valdez and Luis Garcia that started in games five and six of the LCS against the Red Sox, rather than the ones that showed up for games one and two, then that's a different story. But I don't know which version you're going to get in the world series. And so I, I'm going to give a slight edge to the Braves pitching wise. Yeah. I mean, pretty much for the same reasons, uh, I'd say the same, especially because I thought they were getting McCullers back. turns out they're not, uh, and that's tough. And yeah, they're starting pitching just clearly, uh, hasn't shown that they're consistent enough that you could give them the edge here. And, um, 
you know, especially if they have to go with, you know, a guy like Granky again, and, you know, they, you're not going to guarantee um, the performances you got later in the LCS, you, you know, you can't guarantee that going into the world series. Um, and especially cause I think the Astros are, I think the Astros are going to win this series on their bats. So, you know, I don't really think too highly of their pitching um, overall. I think even with their starters, even if they are having a good time, uh, you know, on that given night, if you get to them the third time around, you know, they have enough hitting that they're going to be able to do damage uh, the Braves. So yeah, I would say the Braves definitely get the edge as well. If the Astros have McCullers, maybe it's a little bit closer, but they don't. Yeah. I, I think game four, is definitely shaping up to be some sort of bullpen game. Uh, I'm not even going to count Zach Greinke as a starter. He couldn't even make it through the first inning in his yeah. one opportunity. Granted he's been hurt dealing with COVID the last uh, couple of months or so. Uh, so he, he's far from stretched out. I mean, when he came, came back at the end of September, he was thrown into the bullpen and that was his first real appearance since. Um, so I think game four is shaping up to be a bullpen game. And the, the real question will be who will start the third game uh, who will be like the third starter per se for the Astros? Do they go to uh, Jose Urquidy again? And if so, do they start him in game two? Do they start him in game three? Because uh, if he's, they start him in game three, he's going to be on 10 days rest now. So that'll be interesting to see if that's a uh, riding, uh, sitting around for too long or if, uh, or if he'll be just fine. Mm. And that's it also presents a, a, a an interesting case for Luis Garcia. If he starts game two for the Astros, he'll be on four days rest. So he'll be pitching technically on short rest, even if it's just by a day. Whereas if they start him in game three, then he'll be pitching on normal rest. So they do have a decision uh, to be made in terms of how the Astros want to shake out the rotation outside of Valdez, who is the confirmed game one starter going up against Charlie Morton for the Braves. And I think real quickly, we can sort of give our quick takes on the fielding and base running. Uh, I'm looking across the board at base running first, and I don't really see much difference between the two. There's not a ton of, of speed. There are some uh, players that are threats to steal bases. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of base, in terms of threats to steal and uh, decision making on the base pass, I don't really see much of a difference between these two teams. Uh, the Braves rely on Ozzy Albies to be their guy uh, to sort of set the table and get things going on the base pass. Meanwhile, uh, for the Houston Astros, that would be one Kyle Tucker who. And both team, both of those players will lead their team respectively in stolen bases, both on the season and in the postseason as well. Uh, so I think base running is a push. However, from what I saw in the LCS round from the Astros, uh, I think I'm going to give a slight edge fielding wise to the Braves. Astros just uh, too many errors. Uh, at times, I mean, six errors so far in, uh, in, I think it's nine games, uh, or 10 games rather for the Astros. That's, that's nothing to sneeze at, but when you've got the Braves 
who have played a similar amount of games and only have one error on the post on the postseason. I think I'm going to go ahead and go with the team that's been handling themselves very well out in the field. Uh, and I'm going to give a slight edge fielding wise to the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, that's fair. Would you uh, concur with those statements? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, like the Astros made some boneheaded moves in the LCS uh, and yeah, I have base running wise, you know, a uh, guy like Tucker uh, with four stolen bases. Um, sorry, three stolen bases in this postseason. Um, you know, they can obviously uh, m- move around there. And I don't think they're going to make too many uh, mistakes base running wise. You know, they're probably not going to be much of a difference between either team base running wise. Uh, more of the difference would prob- probably be in the field, like you mentioned. Uh, six errors to one, that's with a decent sample size, that's pretty noticeable. Yeah. So I think I'm, I'll give the slight edge feeling wise to the Braves right now. I think on the, over the course of the season, they posted very similar numbers in terms of fielding percentage. Um, so I'm, this is more of a, this, this one is more of a recency bias for me the, where the Braves have been on point fielding wise, whereas the Astros have shown uh, that they are, have been able, not been able to match that, so to say. Um, now let's talk the managers in this, this series. Uh, you've got Dusty Baker, the long time manager, uh, who's been around, been there, done that, except for winning a championship. Uh, he, I mean, he's got the 12th most wins regular season wins rather uh, in major league baseball history for managers. And out of all the people in front of him, they all 11 of them have won a championship and 10 out of the 11 in front of him are hall of famers. So there's a lot on the line for dusty base, dusty Baker. I'm sure he would never admit it. And outside of the fact that he knows that, He's, he's had these, he's not been able to win the big one and get the job done in his career, but a, a hall of fame spot could be locked in if he is able to lead this Astros team to another championship. Uh, so I think there's a big, there's a lot on the line for dusty Baker, but on the other side, you've got Brian Snicker for the, uh, the Braves rather. This guy has been around the Atlanta organization since 1977. Think about that. He has been an Atlanta Braves either player or coach for over four decades. And that is just insane. He's been managing in the minors from 1982 until 2016. In the past four or five years, he's been the head ball coach for the Braves at the the, the major league level. And he's led them to four straight NL East titles. So this is, this is as journeyman as journeyman gets in Brian Snitker and went for him to take this team that dealt with so much in terms of adversity uh, because of injuries and 
other outside factors that have affected the roster and for them to go out, get a bunch of new pieces at the deadline and for them to be able to find a way to make all the pieces fit into their puzzle and go on the run that they've, they've gone on, including knocking out the defending champion LA Dodgers. This would be a hell of a way to just cement your place as one of the better managers to ever do it in baseball. I'm not going to say that this instantly makes him a hall of famer. Don't get me wrong, but when he has had the success that he has had with the Braves into, if he is able to win a championship in the first chance that he gets at on this stage, I think that says a lot to what kind of a leader Brian Snitker is and Mm. will just cement him as the manager of the foreseeable future for the Atlanta Braves for sure. Um, But that being said, if we're talking about who, which team has the edge in terms of managerial, I think you got to give it to dusty. And I think you give it to dusty just because he has actually been to a world series before it was all the way back in 2002. So it's almost been 20 years since the last time Dusty has been here, but he's been here and he fell short in 2002. So he knows what that feels like. And he can, he can, he knows that some of his players have been there and they've done that. So he can kind of harp on them, pull, they can kind of work in stride together. And I think, I really think that, Dusty has done just a phenomenal job in this postseason run. When you think about how in the ALCS, the first four games, he got six and two-thirds innings pitched from his starting pitchers. That's less than two innings per game for the first four games of the ALCS series. That is just bonkers. And yet, and yet, the Astros went two and two in those games. They pulled out two wins out of those games when their bullpen was stretched to the limit. That's crazy. And that's, 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 that's a lot of credit has to be given to Dusty Baker for figuring out a way to make things work and survive until his starting pitching was able to get their act together. Um, so I think I'm going to give a slight edge to Dusty Baker on this one for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to, the experience he's been there, he's been doing it forever and the motivation he has and, you know, and he's sort of been like a breath of fresh air, you know, for that Astros team. So, you know, he's an easy guy to get behind. So yeah, a little bit of an edge there for, uh, for old dusty. Yep. Uh, so let's, before we get into our series picks, Let's give an X factor for each team. Now, I think you, uh, is yours going to be Kyle Tucker for the Astros or do you have somebody else in mind? You would be correct, my sir. Kyle Tucker, uh, having a pretty solid postseason thus far as it is, uh, an OPS in the 930s. Like I said, three stolen bases, 15 runs bad in, uh, with four home runs and the 275, uh, um, average is pretty freaking good for a guy that's um you know not one of your best hitters um and if, if he can provide uh, any level um close 
to that, then that's going to be a huge boost for the Astros. Now, who would be your X factor for the Atlanta Braves? For the Atlanta Braves, I got Jock Peterson. Um, Similarly, uh, he has surprisingly a very good amount of postseason experience being, you know, his time with the Dodgers and being there year in and year out. Um, He, you know, during the regular season, he's not known to bat for a high average, but in the postseason, including this one, he's batting in the 270s with uh, several homers batting in the 900s for OPS um, with nine runs batted in, you know, he's not, he's not a guy that's going to, you know, spray the ball all over the place for, you know, like going two for four every game. But again, a guy that can provide a spark. He's been there. He's a career 270 hitter in the postseason um, with a, a dozen home runs in the postseason. So, a guy that I think that Braves lineup uh, could use a boost from. Yeah, Chuck Peterson is one of those guys that just always seems, doesn't matter how good or bad he played in the regular season, if he gets a chance in the postseason, he always seems to find a way to make the most of it. Same can be said for a guy like Cody Bellinger. Yeah, literally, exactly. Uh, so for me, I think the X factor for the Braves has to be Freddie Freeman. Now, if you look at his postseason splits right now, they're not that bad. I mean, he's hitting just a, a hair under 300. He's got three home runs. He's walking just about as much as he strikes out. He's even thrown in a stolen base. Uh, the OBP is sitting at 455. Nothing to sneeze at for sure. But he struggled. He struggled at times during that championship series against the Dodgers. Uh, so if. He needs to be on his game uh, in in tandem with I hot Eddie Rosario. If that is the case, then this Braves lineup becomes immensely more dangerous than it already can be. But they need Freddie Freeman to be one of the cornerstones, the guys, the anchors of that lineup that can be depended on at bat in and at bat out to yep. deliver when push comes to shove. We know how baseball works. You're not going to get on base every single time. You're lucky if you get on base uh, one out of every three times. Uh, but if when, in postseason play, you got to deliver in the big spots. Freddie Freeman had shown that already in this postseason that he can do that. I mean, he hit that big home run in the DS round that basically clinched it against the Brewers. It was more or less a walk-off in the sense that it was in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, and set up the the save situation in the top of the ninth. But he's, again, he kind of was hit or miss in that championship series against the Dodgers. So I'm looking to see if Freddie Freeman can get back to being that stud for the Braves lineup. For the Astros, I think the X factor is Luis Garcia. He had a tale of two starts, as I've mentioned earlier. Uh, where in game two of the championship series doesn't even make it out of the second inning gets records three outs gets taken out for air quotes here injury. Uh, He had a leg discomfort. Uh, And so he only makes it through an inning allows, uh, I think it was three runs, something like that. It was, it was, it was not good. It was, it was bad. 
think he got eventually tagged for like six. Uh, but then comes, comes around and throws six scoreless against the Red Sox in game six. He, and just magically perfectly fine throws three miles an hour harder than he's ever thrown his fastballs on average in game six RPMs through the roof looks perfectly fine to me. Uh, if they get that version of Luis Garcia for a, pay, a potential pair of starts in the playoffs, that's going to be huge for them. Cause if you get that, like I said earlier, if you get that version of Garcia in tandem with the version of Fran Valdez that pitched an absolute gem in game five, then the Astros, there's no way they should lose this series. But if you get a version of those two guys closer to the ones in games one and two, then the Astros are going to be looking for their bullpen to bail them out yet again. So I think it's going to be critical for not only Luis Garcia, but Framber Valdez as well to be able to pitch well uh, in this series. But for if I'm naming one, I think the X factor has to be Luis Garcia, given how well he pitched in game six compared to what happened in game two. I like it. All right. Now let's, let's wrap things up here and give our series predictions. Dan, you said earlier, you think the series is destined to go six games, not seven, but who do you like to win the world series this year? I like the Houston Astros to win in six, uh, you know, alluding to what you said, you know, sort of, you know, making their stamp, you know, after all the scandal um, with a new manager now, with Dusty Baker, him trying to get over the hump. I think they do it in six against, uh, you know, again, a great run by the Braves, a Cinderella run, um, missing their best player. Like it's, it's just crazy to think that uh, where they're at and what they've had to go through to get to where they're at. But the Astros, man, they still have that core. They're hungry. They're hyper-motivated because of everything that's happened. They've overcame a Red Sox team in the postseason that, you know, eliminated their hopes back in 2018 um, in a heartbreaking fashion. And yeah, I just, I like them in sort of both of the tangible and intangible aspect of, uh, of the game here. You know, I, I came into this, uh, into this podcast thinking, you know, I'm having similar vibes to 2019. And that's kind of why I brought it back up earlier. 2019, you had the Astros and the nationals, the nationals were the wild card winner out of the national league. The Astros were the dominant hundred win team in the AL and across the board, it just seemed like the Astros had the edge, even if it was only slight, but in most of those intangible categories, intangible as well. Yeah. But when we gave our picks, you, myself, Jonathan and Zach, the three of you all picked the Astros to win in either five or six because you didn't think the Nationals could figure out how to sustain the run that they were on against the Astros. I had this gut feeling for whatever reason that the nationals were going to find a way to make it happen in seven games. The reason I bring that up is because I feel like we're in a similar spot here. Yes. The Braves won their division. They weren't a wildcard team, but they only won their division 
with 88 wins. So they almost feel like a wild card team just because of how bad their division was. Uh, I'm getting similar vibes to 2019 here. Oh my. And for that reason, I think while I agree with you, I think the Astros, again, they are the better team and they, they, they have the more talent and they should win this series on paper. I'm going to go Braves in seven. I think you look at Charlie Morton, who has just thrived in the postseason. He's going to get two starts, assuming no injuries pop up. And the way that Ian Anderson and Max Freed have been pitching as well, if the bullpen is able to keep it up and you get enough clutch hitting, I think the Braves have what it takes to pull off another upset. And I... And I'm, I've just got that feeling that we're going to have deja vu from 2019 and I'm going Braves in seven. Well, I would love to see that because I do not want to see the Astros win. Um, <laughs> and I hope you're fucking right. I, I do too. And I'm not <laughs> saying that because I want it to happen. I'm saying that just, I got a gut feeling here again. Hey, you got to go with your gut. And that you do. Uh, <laughs> So I think that's going to do it here for this episode. Do you have any final thoughts before we sign off here, Dan? Nothing in particular, just, uh, you know, another baseball season, you know, sort of uh, in the books, at least for the Red Sox and, uh, you know, on to 2022 and, um, you know, go Braves. True. Let's go Braves. Uh, So for Dan, Sadik, I am Ryan Brown. We will see you next time. Go Duke.